Hey, it's the 50th episode, Three Songs Podcast, a very special edition. It's the Pavement Edition, if you hadn't already guessed. I'm Mike Hogan here with Bob Nastanovich. It's February 16th, 2018. And uh, Bob, let's play some Pavement. I'm a nerd by self-aggrandizement. Uh, yeah, well... It, I know, I hardly it's, ever it's, know. Look, man, like, we're, we're, not, we're not here to celebrate you. <laughs> We're here to celebrate well, yeah, the songs. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, believe me. I, I, I'll <laughs> and tell we're you what here I to tell to some with, stories. I'm a very honest person. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you what I had to do with what I didn't do. Yeah. That's cool. No, I, we're just we're just here to play some songs and but tell I'm happy, some stories. It's nice to hear that version of that song because um, that was actually uh, my Moog Prodigy. Yeah. Or a Mo- Moog Prodigy. Yeah. That I bought in Cementville, Indiana for $100. So It's like... Highly featured on that song and like a bunch of Silver Jews songs. That's great. You uh, and uh, so y- yeah, you, you kind of hit on it. The Dave Brubeck beat. That's um, and I don't know if that's a true story or not, but uh, the story I heard was was uh, one of the guys in the band when they were recording Take Five couldn't figure out the five four beat, and um, another guy said, "No, the way you do it is it's uh, who packed the car? I did. Who packed the car? I did." So that was uh that be the instructions from Malcolm to Gary Young. Was it really? Yeah, because Gary can do that kind of thing, but he had to remind him. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. He specifically, drummer, you know, he like specifically said, who, "Who packed the car? I did." Who packed the car? I did. He never packed a car, Gary, <laughs> but he ran over me one time in North Carolina outside of Wilmington. Really. Tell yeah, me right over me one time. I was like, our, our van had broken down. Actually, our, our U-Haul had broken down. Okay. And um, so we had to get the tire replaced. It was actually a very tenuous situation outside of Wilmington. We, we ended up getting there five hours late, but some very dangerous things occurred. Uh, Mark Eibold, our bass player, and Scott Camberg, a.k.a. Spiral Stairs, got into a truck, and that kind of left... Um, Myself, Malcolm, and Gary Young, at the time, like, you know, about six miles from the nearest exit. And uh, Malcolm went and got us a case of beer. So Gary and I drank it, you know, or, or, and it was like several hours before they came back. And Gary, for the first time in the history of the band, decided to drive the van backwards up to meet the guy that was fixing the tire on the U-Haul. Oh, no. Well, I was playing, like, a handheld video game, walking along the highway, and Gary ran me over, and I indented the back of the van pretty badly, and it kind of messed up my back. Oh, no. knocked, me in, knocked me into a, a ditch of black mud. They all thought I was dead. <laughs> and it was a bad injury, actually. It ripped, actually ripped the soles off of my shoes at the time, about three quarters or more off the way. Like you know, just getting dragged along the highway. Wow! I got real lucky to escape from this. Wow. Thing. So, what year was this? What what tour? Oh hell, it would have been like um, ninety two, ninety three. Okay. It started like some sort of U.S. thing, like. Yeah, post Lena and Shannon Watery domestic sort of era. And okay. like, I remember Gary hovering over me just saying, like, you know, tell me he's not dead. And, like, 
I said, you owe me a new pair of shoes when I got up. But, like, we played the show. It was a mess, you know. Wow. That whole era of pavement was a mess. But, like, I joined the band in August of 1990. Okay, okay. so, you know, I wouldn't have played on on a lot of things in the studio because all that was done on the West Coast. Sure. And I was either in New York or in Louisville, you sure. know. So there is that. But, yeah. well, but the live shows, I was there for all of them except for one. Wow, really? How, how come you missed the one? Canceled flights. Mm. Venlo, Holland. Mm. Yeah, small club in Venlo, Holland. So I think we played about 800 live shows. Well, and I, I would have seen all of them. I think I think I, I know I've told you, I think I've even mentioned it on the, on the show. I saw, I believe it was your 19th or 20th show ever at the Kennel Club in San Francisco. A week bad pe- show, man. Yeah, Mark Geitzel blew us off the stage. We were yeah. really terrible. Well, you know, I mean, you'd only played nineteen or twenty shows before that, so uh, you know. I, I, and I remember hearing, oh, you know, who knows what they're going to be like? They're more of a studio band, and you know, uh, but uh, I enjoyed. It was it. a local show, local show for Gary, so he got. He was really wasted. Yeah, he was greeting everybody outside, shaking everyone's hand. Couldn't he didn't believe, know what song it was when he got up there. Uh, probably, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. He couldn't believe everyone was there to see his band. So he was he was personally shaking everyone's hand as they were walking in. Well, I mean, in his own words, as he would say, I've been in bands for 21 years, and these kids are a bunch of assholes, and for some reason people like their music. Yeah. You know. Right. Well, and it's funny because I remember at the time I was probably 20, 21, and I remember thinking this is an old dude, uh, and, you know, he's probably, at the time, he was probably younger than I am now, so, you know. Well, it wasn't for Gary Young, there'd be, there'd be absolutely no payment, because that guy, not only did he record all the early stuff, but he was like, a, you know, no other bands of that era had a guy like him. Right. Like, yeah. no bands doing, like, to put it in a genre like lo-fi indie rock were doing anything, you know, we didn't have, no, we have like, you call it a secret weapon or something like that. It's funny because, like, you know, and I, I'd go up to people that ran the club and I'd be like, look, dude, I'm the tour manager, okay? And I'm looking at the schedule right now, and if we don't start at 11... And, like, we know we've got, like, switches and stuff like that. There's four bands on the bill. But if we don't start at 11, my drummer, he might as well be holding pencils at midnight, you know. Because <laughs> he drank vodka gimlet, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, Gary would drink a half gallon of pop-pop vodka every day. Wow. He's still with us, you know. How So I, I thought, you know, wow, this old man up here with these guys, with these, you know, you got you were a few years older than me, but uh, he, he probably wasn't that much older, was he? How, how, how old was he at the time? 5353. Earliest, easiest birthday to remember 5, of all 5, time. 5353, okay. 5353 is his birthday. All right. Garrett, Garrett Allen, Allen Robertson Young. So he's really only about 15 years older than you. His guys. initials are Gary. His name's <laughs> Garrett Allen Robertson Young. Okay. And like his rock and roll experience. And this is a guy that was at Woodstock when he was 15. Wow. And like 
he, he lived in a treehouse in Golden Gate Park for 11 months. You know, I mean, well, and Gary somehow, his brain, despite all the abuse, was still some sort of some sort of powerful vehicle. And I kept thinking to myself, when this guy's on, like, I've listened to the Who and Keith Best, you know, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Keith Moon and like Keith Moon, sorry. And uh, this guy's like as good as it gets. I mean, like when he was on, I was just like, I'll just stand around and watch him. Right. You know, and that's what it's like for me. And then, like, he was very suspicious of me when I first met him because he's like, this guy can drum and he's going to take my job. And I was like, I bought these drums a week ago for 60 bucks, Gary. Like, I don't know how to drum. I'm the tour manager. Like, they told me to buy drums to keep time because you're such a mess, you know. I was the best man in this wedding. <laughs> really? Oh, that was a mess. Yeah, he got married in his backyard, Linden, California, to a fantastic friend of mine named Jerry Bernstein. And uh, they'd been together for like 19 years. And like, I mean, Gary was rare. And like, when we went to England, you know, of course, the tabloid press in, in England was like, what in God's name is this character? You know, like, he saw the character. Like, oh, yeah, sure. And he was a shrimp. I mean, like, I mean, Gary, like, Bless his heart, I'll give him a call. Like, I haven't talked to him in, like, years now. Like, at this point, years. And, uh, I mean, I'm talking, well, I saw him in 2010. He was a mess there. But, like, it's a weird story. But I love him, you know, like, and, uh, I mean, I could write a book about it, I guess. But nobody would read it. <laughs> Well, uh, let's play some music. I'll, I'll start it. We haven't even talked about who, what order we're going to play. So I'll start it. I'll start it with with a Gary tune from, yeah. from that era. And this is actually, I think this is probably the first pavement song I ever heard because I wasn't cool enough to buy the first 7-inch. But I bought the second 7-inch, Demolition Plot J7. And this was the first track on that single uh, from Drag City, 1990, I believe. Uh, you know, you, you talk lo-fi. This is this to me. We're like a fall rip-off band. Then, well, right? I I don't know, maybe, but to me, this is like so definitive pavement sound. It doesn't get any more definitive for me sound-wise than this one. Cool. Is, All right, Gary Studio for, forklift pavement. Ladder than you think. Yeah, let's do it.
Yeah, Mr. Ghosty likes that one. So, yeah, so I think that was all like Stephen Malkmus and, and Spiral Stairs. Well, Scott Camberg. So, I think I, I I think that Malkmus would have played drums on that. In, entirely, I I have no idea. All I know is when I first heard it, I was like, okay what the hell is going on here? Because it sounds like shit. It sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom. It's like really, really compressed. And there's like some spoken word vocals that you can barely hear. But there's this amazing melody going on with all these bop, 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 you know, like like these harmonies that you weren't necessarily hearing at the time. But it was recorded through like a, a couple tin cans on a four track at least that's what it sounded like to me and it was it was it stood out you know it was, it was 89 lo-fi yeah well and and i don't know if it was intentional or not or, or whatever if it no, was it's all accidents yeah <laughs> there's no there's no intention <laughs> but we're talking about like looking up like a studio in the yellow pages we're in stockton california and you know i've got malcolm was in a band in charlottesville Right before he went, like, he finished UVA, and then he went to, like, the Middle East for a while. He would have been, like, one of the last freewheeling American citizens that went to, like, Syria, Iraq, Iran. You know, just wandering around with Ken Ganfield, who's, like, uh, one of our good friends from UVA. He's still teaching English in Prague. And, like, some other dude, and, like... So he came back to Stockton, like, because he spent spent his money. And, like, Camberg was working in a record store. Huge. Camberg just wanted to be, like, Will Sargent from Echo and the Bunnymen. Okay. That's fair. That's and, like, uh, and, like, so they got these songs. Like, I've got these songs. Malcolm was like, I've got these songs. And, like, you know, they knew each other from, like, way back, like, middle school or something, maybe even elementary school. And, like, you know, there's not that many people in Stockton that, like, you know, like, look for can records in the music store. And so, like, you look in the Yellow Pages, and there's one guy who they all knew, like, he was in, Gary was in a band at the time called The Fall of Christianity. And, like, you know, he'd moved there from Maranek, New York, and, like, Actually, got hustled out of town because, like, he actually got you know shot at by the cops for robbing a liquor store in New York. Really? So he ended up over there, like, hiding out. He's working for a uh, Del Astro a waterbed company that was his wife was the <laughs> vice president of. And uh, Ghosty, come on now, chill it out, bring it in. And uh, so, who knows? I mean, like, it was just like. You know, banging out in Drag City, like, you know, Drag City cotton on to it. Like, keep in mind that, like, you know, Pavement was, I believe, I think that might be the second release on Drag City ever. I think so, yeah. It was, it, I yeah. mean, Drag City was not Drag City back then, you know. I mean, it was Royal Well, sure Trucks. it was. They got the same spirit. Well, of course, but I mean. Royal Trucks were the first release, that right. era zero seven inch. Right. They're, they're known. And Demolition I mean, Plot was the second, and then Perfect Sound Forever would have come right after that. I I think uh, by that I just mean like they're now known as tastemakers, and you know if you see it on Drag City. Well, they City. were then too. Royal Trucks, um, you know, obviously the early little stuff. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, but but 
I don't know. Maybe it was just because I, I was a dumb 19-year-old kid. Like, I didn't know the label from anything. And so... Uh, well, nor did I. Yeah. I was, a bu- I was a bus driver in New York City. And I was just driving a bus in New York City. Like, you know, these are like... And then, in fact, Billions Corporation, botched Billions, he decided to, like, you know, we approached him. He was just starting out. I mean, this is, like, one of the most powerful booking agents in the music industry today. Yeah. And, like, you know, Jesus Lizard, you know, would have been the first band he worked with, and Pavement was second. So, like, you're working with all these people that are, like, you know, your age, that, like, you know, want to make things happen. And I'm, I'm booking this thing myself, you know, because I'm in Hoboken. Yeah. So, I don't know how things come together, but all I know is that when we toured that thing in 90 for the first time, in August of 90, everybody had to take, we had a guy named Rob Chamberlain who went to college with, who was a guitar player. Our first show ever would have been at Court Tavern in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and like, we didn't. We didn't even know how to pay ten songs, you know. And that that was one of them. Yeah. And that was one of the highlights, you know, along with Debris Slide and you know a few other songs. But it, you know, total rambling wreck. Well, I, you know, I mean, and let's talk about that song for a second. One of the things I love about it is it's just this weird spoken word kind of thing that 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 as soon as the the music kicks in, you know, early on you can hear the lyrics, but then then once it kind of kicks in, you can almost not hear the vocals at all. They're just like a, another instrument. Ghost. Yeah, Ghost fired up. He loves this stuff, man. He loves early pavement. <laughs> uh yeah. You know, and 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 it almost reminds me of you know you played a little while back. You played "History of Utah" by Camper Van Beethoven. Just this weird spoken word thing. It almost reminds me of something like that. Like I'm listening closely, trying to figure out like what's the deep meaning of these lyrics, and I can maybe pick out a word here or there. I can hear forklift, and maybe I just think I can hear that because I know that's the name of the song. But like, it just had this mystery to it. And then, oh, they were way more advanced than us, Mike. Well, I mean, uh, maybe I'm just giving you guys too much credit, but uh, it hit me in the right spot. Not too much credit, but I'm saying, like, as musicians, like, uh, you know, they were on a different level. Uh, I mean, like, in some ways, look, man, in terms of musicianship. I'm yeah. not, I, you know, when I was a 19-year-old kid, 1990, and listening to that 7-inch, I, w- I didn't care about musicianship. I was caring about whether the song was hitting me, and, you know, it was hitting me in a way that it didn't, like it felt different, you know. It felt fresh and different, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" I need to know more about this band. So, no, oh, that's cool. I mean, like, I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, to me, it's all self self aggrandizement. Like, back uh, to that era, of payment. Uh, like, uh, we were just here. I was in college radio, like at sure. the time when I would have first heard it. Like, sure, I was trying to figure out what to, what to do with my life, and like, the Mal, he's one of my best friends. That, UVA and like you know we always kept in touch with him and he's like I'm, I'm making these records like the first seven inch which is you know keep in mind like we got a big push like Box Elder is a great song and like that first seven inch is great Slate Tracks I, I mean I, I, should we play uh, we, we you know I mean uh, look we each brought three songs but I think we're probably going to play more than that I want me to play Box Elder I got Box Elder here I can I can 
queue it up. Well, I mean, you should probably do so. I mean, if you're going to reference yeah. it, because why, like, why not? And I this, mean, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the wedding present, who were like kind of a huge indie rock band at the right. time, decided to cover it. Right. So, like, I guess that was a big push for payment. Right. And they, um, they sort of a they, validation they, of some sort. They sanitized you know? it. They they cleaned up one of the words. Well, we'll play it and we can talk about it. Let's do it. Here you yeah, go. Yeah, box good play. It, So what's the story on that song? Oh, Box Elder. It's it's it's, uh, it's not an M. Oh, it's an M. T. Yeah, uh, Montana. It's just it's like Montana. a tiny little town in Montana that Malchus visited. But so he he liked the name of the town and decided to write a song about it, or or, or just... he spent some time in in Edmonton. Um, and so I think that's when he wrote the song. But I mean, you know, this is a guy that. You know, he's a talented songwriter, and you know, you could just say he had he had like twenty great songs in college. Yeah, no, that know. that's like a perfect pop song. And the and the funny thing he is, he was in a band called Potted Meat Spread in college. Then he was in a band with Scott Bland, a guy that made like three or four really good pavement videos. And there's only about six. <laughs> <laughs> he made range like he was in a band called you know Lake Speed with him, and like you know. Pavement would have been an entirely different project. Who knows? I mean, those guys were like, you know, they Malpas took off. I mean, like yeah. Malpas, you know, he might have written that song or the melodies or anything, you know, 
that comes with it. He, he's actually celebrating an, another release. I think it's probably about his 15th CD of original music by the Jicks, his band that's like far surpassed pavement in terms of quantity. Yeah. You know. Sure. So. Well. I mean, they'll be touring all spring and summer, you know, so. It's one of the interesting things. Like people say, like, "Oh, when pay, when's Payment going to get back together?" It's like, well, first of all, we got two members that are in you know international touring projects. Yeah, and like you know, the band doesn't really write any songs anymore as a band. Because so, like at this point, we've got like five current members as of 2010, and obviously, I've contributed little to songwriting and. Same with West and same with Gary, you know. And so it's just like, you know, whatever these guys want to do, I mean, I don't even know. So I'm going to play um, Trigger Cut's one of my favorite pavement songs. I think it's pretty well celebrated, but like, sure. um, I think probably the best seven inch, the best pavement seven inch you could own is Trigger Cut plus two which I think would have been released on Matador right after we signed at Matador. And I think we're about, I think we're second. I think Teenage Fan Club was the first ever Matador release. Wasn't HP Zinker? Or is it? Could have been, like, that's arguable. Good band, HP Zinker. I think it was H. Uh, I think HP Zinker, I'll look it up while we're playing this. I'll look it up. I think HP Zinker has the um, first release on both Matador and Thrill Jockey. Believe it or not. Good live band. Good live band. Um, but uh, Pavement was just like, you know, we had this thing, like, Malcolm was made in Camber and Young. They made, like, a Ladder Than You Think. It was a 15-track recording studio. They made Slant and Enchanted. And, like, you know, I was living in Jersey City with Berman and and guy named Eric Forrest, great guy. He was in a band called Wingtip Slow. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, no, not Wingtip Slope. He was in a band called Francis Gump, but Wingtip Slope were also on board. I remember Francis okay. Gump, yeah. I had that, I had the double seven inch, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, they're all friends of ours, and I was like, hold on, like, the Malk has come up with some good stuff here, and, like, we got it on cassette. We didn't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? Sure. But Eyebold was on board. Eyebold was in Dust Devils at the time. Yep. And, like, and he would have seen the first set of shows and Rob quit and he joined in 91 or whatever. It's all beside the point. But um, I think that Sumi Jack, which would, would, would have been one of the first tracks that both me and Eibold played on, um, I would have read the poetry that I wrote at the end of Sumi Jack. But I, I thought that, that So Stark Your Skyscraper is a very overlooked pavement gem. All right. So. Let's let's check it out. Uh, what was this? Ninety one. Yeah, recorded ninety one. You know, would have come out like you know just after that. Okay. It's flat and it's six 
minutes eight time this is life and it's flat and it's three and it's four huge hooks in that song well that's like three you know that's, that's like him you know steven reminding gary like the song's in three-quarter time <laughs> you know what i mean like uh-huh. it's a big, big part of the lyrics you know like that he kept his like you know kept everything in place you know like <laughs> and that was during that was actually later that was actually like a little bit later that would have been like um Post Lena and Shannon, yeah, would have been stuck on there, like, because I was there for that, and like, uh, I didn't play on it. I just sat there and listened. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, you know what I mean. I love the mood of that song. You know, it's well, I think that's like a actually like a to me that's like the pavement mood. Okay, so because like you would have played like everything you played before that song would have been like the frenzy. You know, and like yeah, that's when when like there was like a you know like trying to find a groove. Yeah, well, you're right. That that's a groove, but like I think some of the it's it's not like it's it's a groove, but it's like a t- it's sort of a, this tense groove. It's not like a laid back groove. I think later because you're worried about the drummer not remembering remembering how to play the song. <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's the tension in the, that I'm. No, hearing. there's a lot of tension. Yeah, like um, and I would have played one show in Seattle. The first time we ever played there, 
and Gary was really drunk, and he got really angry with Malcolmus because he, you know, because Malcolmus had a way as a front man of messing with the back back line. Okay, and Eibold was tremendous on the bass guitar because Eibold, like in a very determined fashion, would try to link the front line to the back line. And there was a serious rivalry there, especially when Gary was in the band. And, and somewhat innocently, I was the back line with him. That was my man, you know. Yeah. Because, like, I was responsible for him. And, like, I would never have been in this band without him, okay, without his, like, incompetence, <laughs> okay, matched with his brilliance. So, like, sure. you know, I mean, I hesitate to use the word mercurial, but, like, I mean, this is, like, a difficult thing. So, you know, Gary got really angry with him one night in Seattle, one of those clubs, one of those famous punk rock clubs. I mean, you would know better than I, because uh, I think I went back there a couple of times, but, like, well, I can't remember. Was it the sit and spin? Mm-mm. No? Mm-mm. Uh, bigger? I don't even know. Probably held like 400. I don't even know. It was like a sub-pop stronghold. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't remember. I don't know. Who knows? So, um, so anyway, Scary got pissed off with him and threw, threw a snare drum at him. And just threw a snare drum at him. And the show must go on. The show stopped. Sure. But like, the show must go on. You know, and there was a lot of shows like that. I probably played 100 shows with Gary. And like, you know, a lot of them were really crispy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's and it was a matter of like I took this guy all over the world, you know, like you know Japan, Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe and stuff, and like and Remco was there too. Remco, our sound man, I've mentioned him frequently before on the show. Like, you know, we, I mean, Gary needed a proper assist. I mean, like, I mean, I, it's amazing, but like, I was like, wow, this is bad now. This show might stop, you know, like, yeah. You know, one time he fell through the, you know, curtain famously in Atlanta, same era. And, like, you know, and I didn't really help him now. Because, like, when you're around a guy like that, you drink more. Like, oh, my, I'm not even going to, like, I love him. You know, I yeah. love him. Like, you know, there would have been no early payment without Gary. Because he recorded all this stuff. Right. Well, and it's got to be difficult, too. Because it's a situation oh. where you've got a friend oh. and a band Two mate. huge egos in the band. Yeah. Well, and and Gary's ego was bigger than anybody's, right? And and you know he's what fifteen years older than you guys, right? We all looked up to him. Sure. for that we sure. all looked up to him because his rock and roll experience was like ten times ours. Yeah, despite the fact that we've all been listening to like music as kids, like same as you, that's been you know documented on this show, like. You know, Gary, like, like he he mesmerized us, like, and like, you know, we looked up to him, and we wanted him to like be so great. I mean, and and he he would look at pictures of himself. I mean, like, it was just like he could not latch on to the fact that this was like a uh, pretty obscure rock band that was somehow being celebrated. Right. I mean, right, like, this right, was like a right. like a project. Right. It was like. Right. Becoming a band, and Gary was like, Gary's like, hold on, like, if, if we're like, if our pictures are in magazines, then we must be big, like, there must be some money somewhere, and there, you know, there was decent money, but like, 
there wasn't like you know gazillions. It wasn't Rolling know. Stones money. Um, no, I mean it wasn't anything yeah. money. You know, it's yeah. like you know enough to get you, you know you know enough, enough to, to get, get you to the next show. show. Yeah, I mean I was a tour manager. Sure. Sure. Well, and and I have to. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure Gary enjoyed the music and liked playing it and was a fan of the band. But I think the sense that I got from an outsider perspective was, here's this guy that's been in bands for years and trying to make it big, earnestly with whatever his you know his rock groups, and then these you know snot nosed kids with these like weird goofball songs that aren't even recorded very well end up. Like that ends up being what's successful for him. Um, You're exactly right, Mike. And it seemed like it was. What the hell is going on? Well, yeah, and and the sense that I got again from a complete outsider perspective was it was this love hate relationship with it because this was his opportunity for success musically, but this was not what he was wanting to do musically that he wanted to be a success. You know what I mean? So it was like, I think you're right, man. Like that's, you know, from, from an outsider's perspective, I think you're totally right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking like the same thing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm just like you there. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I got to keep this thing floating. That's, you know, your sense of responsibility takes over. Sure. You know, and you're dealing with like, I remember one time I was in Albuquerque, I believe, and I was, uh, we were staying on the floor, and I had a $100 bill, which is rather precious to me at the time as it still is today. Yeah, sure. And Gary decides to make a point about money and rips my $100 bill in half. And, like, at that point in my life, I rarely had a $100 bill. He rips it in half, and I was like, why would you rip my $100 bill in half? I'm the one who's propping you up. Yeah. I'm the one that's giving, like, going to KFC and, like, you know, driving you across straight lines, state lines to get you liquor on Sundays. And, like, don't rip up my $100 bill. I got to feed myself on that, you know. Right. So, anyways, we got him across the borders. And, like, you know, we got him. Anyway, so what what area are you going to advance? Well, you know, I mean, and I don't know. Again, complete outsider. I wonder if that sort of tension was, was part of what. I was hearing and what made me appreciate a lot of the earlier stuff. I don't know, but like, well, Mount, I mean, Gary would be the first to tell you, like, without the tension that I provide, there'd be no pavement. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh no. He'd be the first to tell you, like he was intentionally causing tension Yeah. at all times. I mean, he even got a shotgun one time. We were in the South out of a uh, thrift store in Alabama. And he said, if you don't pay me right, I'll kill all you. And he threw a shotgun in the back of the van. And, like, we just kind of had to keep an eye on it, you know. I had to call his his wife and be like, Gary's got a gun here, you know. Like, you know, who knows? I mean, Who knows? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm going to play something. And and I think Gary was still around at this this era. Um, But if I had to pick... A single favorite pavement record, hands down, it would be this one, and and I think it's one that gets a little overlooked because it's an EP. Uh, oh, I think it's I think it's the absolute real pavement favorite of all time. Yeah, it would have been the first recording session that I would have participated in okay. with Mark Eibold. Okay, and the first time that I went to, not the first time, but like the first time I went to Stockton to record, a city I've spent a hundred days in, and. Um, 
Yeah, you're going to play something off Watery Domestic? I, I am, you know, and it's four songs. Oh, I think it's, it's like a real Pavement fans out there. This is their favorite Pavement record. Well, and, and, and I'll talk personally. I was a huge, huge fan of Slanted Enchanted. So when this album, when this EP came out, I was like immediately, like I was waiting for it. And it did not disappoint. All four songs, I would say, if I had to pick, you know, 10, 15 favorite pavement songs, all four of these songs would be among my top 15 pavement songs, which is, which is amazing considering, you know, these days, I think it just kind of is a little bit of overlooked as an add on, you know, bonus tracks for slanted and enchanted, but, uh, love one. No, not at all. Well, it was an entirely new recording session. It was. It was. It was entirely new direction. It was between you're, you're, slanted and crooked rain. You're, it you're, was a bridge EP. You're totally like, right. It's, it's kind of pavement at, at its absolute peak. You're I totally agree with you 100%. right. You're totally right. But but that was what twenty five years ago, twenty six, twenty seven years. I don't know how long ago it was. Twenty six years ago that. At that point, it's never been reissued. The only times it's been reissued, these songs are reissued as add-on, tack-on bonus tracks. And, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of a shame because this is a fantastic record in and of itself. And um, I'd play all four of these songs. I mean, the beginning beginning notes of the EP, Texas Never Whispers, it's just like... It grabbed me by the throat and made me. In fact, I wasn't even going to play that. I'm going to play that. I'll play Texas Never Whispers, and then I'll great go, song. And then I'll go into Front Words because Front Words is the one I really wanted to play. It might be my cool. favorite. Cool, play them both. They're I'll play great. them both. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna seg it right in. Here you go. I guess I feel 
Let's go straight into frontwards. Frontwards. Yeah, those songs are great. Man. Best favorite. Uh, if if you force me to pick my favorite pavement song, I, I would have to go with that one. I mean, it's just so many great lines, so many great hooks. Uh, well, see, Mouthless, like at that point, was like, in order to be a great band, then we have to make sure that the vocals are loud enough that the words are legible. Yeah. Okay, so there's like that. So like. It, and the words on that song, I mean, I got so much style, miles and miles, so much style that it's wasted, you know, and the, and the line about... That's just pure mouth, man. That's just like, that's, that's Stephen Malthus, man. Stolen rims were they alloy or chrome? I love that. Yeah, I mean, like, that's just like, you know, that's just, that. just like, 
you know, that's a talented songwriter and, at his best. And and the thing with that is, obviously, from a fidelity standpoint, it was a step forward. Um, everything. Well, it's a clarifying things. It's a fifteen-track recording. Clarifying, but at the same time, towards the end of the song, there's this like light tape warble, where you you still got a sense like, well, something went wrong with the, the master tape, but. It's the leave best it we in. got. Leave, leave it in. It. Leave it in. That's that's yeah. the take. You know, like loved it. Love it. Love here's it. Here's a band. Here's a band that was built on imperfection. Right. Okay. Right. And and yeah. you know, I mean, the original. It's a feature, not a bug. You know. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. You know, the compliments are incredibly generous okay <laughs> well, <laughs> um, look man i'm i'm just talking about my own personal experience and how i experienced the music which may be completely different from what was intended or what was recorded you know but uh maybe i'm not alone maybe other people saw it the same way so well i'm gonna i'm gonna take us to a different place i'm gonna take us to a, a song called fillmore jive yeah this one's that, got a groove my know. father like uh it was a bit of a rock and roller, yeah. You know? Okay, and like I was like, you know, he knew Stephen and from from college, and like I was like, we got this band, we're touring. He said, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Yeah, we're touring," you know, like, and and he would have seen our second ever show at the Kyber Pass Pub in Philadelphia, fantastic show, and like I would have been, a, he would have been in Robbinsville, New Jersey. I was like, "Dad, get down here now!" Like it's going to start. He would have come through the back door. It's one of those great clubs, the Kyber Pass, where the if you're walking by, the drum set was in the back, back window. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, like, sure. And and oh, I mean, there's some great uh, Silt Breeze. Uh, Tom from yeah. Silt Breeze was a big part of it. He put on all the opening bands, I think. And um, in fact, a couple of bands I need to play on this show. Like, we'll get back to that later, but. But but yeah, my dad would have seen our second show. But this was his favorite song, uh, and it's a great payment song. It, my 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 father said this will be the one that makes you guys popular. You know, <laughs> it's like you guys finally have an anthem. You know, this was this is a great song. It's a little long, maybe though. For the no, answer. it's long. It's long, but like but it's, you cut uh, it off whenever you want. So uh, you know, no, no, half a candy, which is a great song. We're we're but, we're playing the whole thing, man. But y- y- you know, yeah. we're playing the whole thing. Fillmore Jive from yeah. Cro- Crooked Rain.
street is full of punks They got spikes See those rockers with their long curly locks Good night to the rock and roll era Cause they don't need you your dad's right that that's the lighter song right like that's the song that you bring the lighter out for yeah <laughs> well he would have seen he would have seen that song in tampa yeah the only time we would have played there 
and he had a fantastic experience that night. He had a great. He was working. I think he probably was about fifty-eight at the time, and he was like, "Yes, you know." Yeah. But I mean, uh, that's a that's a good rock song for sure. Oh, I mean, come on though. And, and I mean that in the best possible way, you know. Oh, the Jam Kids on the Vespas, Glow looks <laughs> on their faces. The street is full of punks. They got spikes. See those rockers with their long curly locks. Good night to the rock and roll era, because they don't need you anymore. I mean, oof. some good lyrics. And the and the dance faction a little. Dude. My favorite passage in the song is. Every night is straight and narrow. Laws are broken. Amusing era. Round and round and round and round she goes. I mean, like, you gotta, you gotta, like, you know, sit back there, you're playing a two piece drum kit, and I was like, we're hitting it tonight. Boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, and, and, and now I realize why you weren't the singer. Oh, no, I can't sing worth a shit. I can scream. I can scream, though. We're not playing any screamers tonight. That's okay. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I like your... I mean, I've, I've got to, you know, I'm sick, Mike. If you want me to sing That's beautifully, okay. I'll sing payment songs to you next week. Really, <laughs> okay. beautifully. You know. Serenade me payment song. Well, uh, it's, it's, I don't know if you saw on the podcast Twitter account, I tweeted out an interview of you with Malcolmus. On William, William, yeah. it was <laughs> <That's right. laughs> really nothing. And you also, you, you also sang Ouija board. Fifteen minutes. With, oh, Ouija board, Ouija board. Ah, uh, yeah. Nobody can carry a tune less than I can. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about that for a second. Just, just to say, it's 1994 when Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain was released. That, which is where that song Fillmore Jive. Was, was well, it's an album made by Steve West, you know. Yeah, so when that when that came out, you guys got a little bit of attention. You ended up on 120 minutes, and um, we ended up on that thing. Yeah. What? What? Tell me what? What was going through your mind? And uh, you, you can you can you can answer it however you want. Thoughts, substances. Um, what was oh no i mean i had about four coronas before i went out there but uh steve steven looked like he was in pain you were like just trying to make nice but it thank was, you thank it you. was uh you know it was one of those interviews where actually i was actually being myself mike you were well <laughs> you were which is exactly what i mean you're trying to make nice you're trying to make sure everything moves smoothly everything goes well uh being the good good guy in the band but it's one of those you know and i did a bunch of interviews when i was in college and college radio i'm sure you did too one of the things that I and, and I was nobody, but one of the things I always tried to do was like, as the interviewer, I'm less important than who I'm talking to. By by nature, you're always less important, right? <clears throat> because I guess I mean. Well, it, I'm, I'm, I'm like to be quite frank, I'm always in the advantageous position of being the interviewee. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is like if you're the interviewee, there's a reason then you make why. The very comfortable there's a reason why you're being interviewed right well yeah in this case it would have been like uh there was a late night 
music show on 120 Minutes covering alternative rock hosted by Lewis Largen. Right. But I guess my point being that... I mean, there have been, like, TV things. Like, you know, TV things. It's like, hold on, what in God's name is going on in my life right now? I'm on TV. Like, you know, I'm just going to be, like, friendly to everybody around me. Yeah. Well... Like, any any other thing that happens in life. Like, you know... I mean, there's a certain, like, uh, you know, making people, like, feel comfortable about themselves. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I guess. If somebody, like, suffers from anxiety like I do, like, it's like, you know, you spend, like, you know, a lot of your life just, like, you know, whoever you encounter, like, making people feel comfortable. Yeah, just you just get through it. Make make things easy for everybody. That's, that's Yeah, whatever the sacrifice is, right. you know. Right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a fun interview. <laughs> well, Malk is great, man. He's great. Like, <laughs> yes, he is. He's great. Like, and like, he's an artist. Like, I'm not one. So, I, like, I'm one of his best friends. Like, you know, yeah. Keep in mind with all this stuff. Like, you go all the way back to like Watery Domestic. Like, a lot of those songs are heavily influenced by, you know, David Berman, The Silver Jews, and like, you know, that's a, you know. A dear friend of mine who I've known since I was 18 years old, and like, so I got like two like highly irregular and talented artists. Like in my mind, as an 18, 19 year old at the University of Virginia in the mid to late 80s, like two of the most talented people I've ever known in my life. You know, including my, you know, I would do I could name 50 more, but like we're talking about these two. Like, my job was to, like, you know, sort of, like, make their lives easier, you know. Right. So I'm helping out the Malk. Right. It's just like, you know, I help out the Burma. Right. You know, it's like, I don't mean to call them that on the air, but, like, you know, it's like, you love talented people. Like, you know, like, my wife's a talented woman, and your wife is a talented woman. And, like, you know, we all know, like, you know, you, you had Little Brother Records, a lot of Nels Klein, a lot of very talented people associated with label. Like, you know, like, so, like, you've got, like, I mean, it's almost like you don't think, like, about, like, talent. You think about, like, perhaps my talent is to, like, make artistically talented people, like, better at what they do. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's why you started a record label. Right, right. Right to to expose the talented people to a wider audience. Yeah, because we can't do that. Right. I mean, I right. can't write songs. I can't either. Can you? No, not really. I mean, I can. That's why I started a record label. I can write. I can write goofball songs. I can't write anything real. Well, sure. you're right. well, you're well, I've written one, but. Uh, <laughs> well, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little later. So. Uh, Come on, late man. We're, we're in the Westy era, man. We're, we're, Westy Kendrum. We're, By the way, I, I've known Steve West since I was thirteen years old. Yeah. Well, well, great okay. guy. Great guy. Let's uh, let's play a song, then you can tell a West story. So, uh, you know, what I are mean, you gonna play? It's it, it's three songs podcast. It's about surfacing lesser known tunes. I want to play a B side. I'm gonna play a B side from the Shady Lane EP. Uh, you know, Bright in the Corners era, 97, this one came Great out. Era. Yeah. Great era. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was, uh, this is a song, you know, I mean, and, and 
I, I always followed you guys, but you know, to me, what's up with Ragsy? What's up with Ragsy? Rags, she's she's uh, she's hanging out on the couch. She's doing good. She was on my yeah. lap a little yeah. earlier. She's on the couch now. It's all good. Um, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll put this one out to her. This one's called No Tan Lines. Yeah, go on, Ragsy. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> Don't come right in. fun to listen to yeah it's a just a good pop song so they live to be to, to be great these guys <laughs> i mean ivy's got a kid he's like seven really so so what oh, yeah. so that was 90 so that was she's 21 years ago now man 97 uh in that song, well, talk about the children uh talk, steve west has uh, lulu's 18 Really? Fantastic kid. Jackson's 13. Great kid. Scott Camper's got a daughter. It's like four or five. I've never met her yet. 
Great kid. Um, and she could meet Teddy. He'll be five next yeah. year. Yeah. Could do. And Malkus has uh, Lottie, who's like a, apparently a very talented cellist. And uh, she's, I'm going to guess she's about 13. Sunday's about 10. And she's, she can also play with his guitar, you know. And she can also play with a matchbox car. But uh, <laughs> these guys got a bunch of kids. I just got the ghost rambling around out here. You got yeah, you Teddy. Got, you got Teddy. We got Teddy. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Last is the least in this band. Like, Gary and me, we got no kids. Or Gary and I, as they would That's say, okay. if they spoke English properly. But, like... <laughs> Um, that's okay. Yeah, so, that's okay. You know. Yeah. You got uh, you got other stuff going on. So, so ninety seven. What was what was going <laughs> Nothing on? Nothing else going on, man. What? what? What was going on? So why that song? Why why was that song not on the album? Who knows? Who knows? I'll tell you why. Because Transport Arrange was is arranges on it. It's one of the best famous songs of all time. Okay. Yeah. Well, you you want to just play that one? Prove yeah, me wrong. Yeah, play Transporters Arranged. Okay. Easily one of the best pavement songs of all time. Find your way out. You better learn how to run. You better walk away and leave the angles for the shells. Well, I've been thinking for days about the means and the ways that I can hate all I touch. to sing he couldn't teach me to love all the above easy talking border blocking transport is a
Oh yeah. Tell me. You heard that one before, right? Oh sure. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I, look, I love the early stuff, and if you were to if you were to ask, that's not me, early. That's '97. That's n- what's the sale, man. Well, of course. Uh, no, what I'm saying Curtisville, is, man. For for me, when I think of pavement, I think of the early stuff. But I like the the later stuff as well. I mean, I'm I'm I know all the albums. You know, I I could have played stereo. I mean, stereo is kind of a known song that was a single. Like I like I like a lot of that stuff. I I enjoy it. I I play it even regularly. But but uh, you know, I, I just I I love the early stuff. But that's a beautiful song. Well, thank you. It's a beautiful it was an absolute what, blessing. L- l- let me ask you, as somebody who experienced it firsthand, what yeah, was a lot what, of it, yeah. what was yeah, your a favorite? Lot of it, yeah. it was a, what was your favorite record to record? What was your favorite era to be in? Oh, for sure, Wowie's Howie. We yeah. I believe we ignored that record. We did. We completely skipped yeah. it. Yeah, we completely skipped it. As we did Terror Twilight, which That's is right. also. You know, yeah, and we didn't even yeah. play. We you, we mentioned stuff from Slandon and Enchanted. We played nothing from that record, which is strange. Oh, such a fortunate band. Yeah, such a fortunate band. And like you know, it's like uh, you know, to be a part of it was amazing. And people ask, I work in the horse racing industry, and people say like, "Oh, you were in a band?" Like, yeah, I was in a band. Like, <laughs> and like. Yeah, so like you know, so I talked to Peter Peter Fornatal. He's aware of pavement, like of course here yeah. and there. Like people know the hit songs and stuff like that. Like you know, I work in an industry where like you know, no one really cares about pavement. You know, John Nichols, you know, the clocker, he knows stereo and summer babe and stuff from the serious serious radio and like you know, it's, it's so funny. Like I don't even really care. Like to me, it was like. Uh, just a pleasure to be associated with such a such a fun thing, you know. I mean, I hate to be that simple, but like that's the honest God truth. Like, I mean, like uh, to me, like seeing the bands I got to see. I mean, you gotta you gotta keep in mind, like, not a day goes by where I don't think about the bands that blew us off the stage, whether it be like Stereo Lab or Dirty Three or you know back or like hundreds of others you know hundreds of others like was 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 there ever like an epiphany at the time where you were like how the hell did i end up in this band you know as a college radio dj absolutely you know like i can drive mike i can drive okay i can drive the van i can load some gear and like you can, you can get them to the Greek. Absolutely, be no pavement ever without people like Deb Pastor, Kelly Quarter, Andy Dimmick, Remco Shouten, Botch Billions, uh, Dan and Dan, and Ryan at Drag City, um, Gerard Cosloy, yeah, Chris sure. Lombardi. I mean, like the people that like propped us up. I mean, like, and the list goes on and on and on. Bobby Beige. I mean, like, you know, like, you know, the weird thing about being in a band, like, in the 90s, like, even we got back together in 2010, it's like, you gotta love your crew, man. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, like, we didn't have much crew. Yeah. You know, and, like, you got to bring the crew. Even Kelly Shell here from Des Moines, she sold the merch in 2010. Like, a lot of beautiful people, like, Sabrina Braswell, uh, Dan Mapp. I mean, like, I mean, my Lord, Jeremy Lemos. I mean, like, I mean, that. And like all the people along the way, Noel Kilbride, my lord, Noel, Noel Kilbride, you know, what an angel, you know. So, like, you're in a band and you're encountering all these things, like Toshi Senzaki, I mean, uh, Steve Pavlovich, I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, it, it was Paul O'Neill, I mean, like, it's a wonderful experience, like, uh, Cool. To be in a band like that gets to travel all around the world and like shows up and like all the people like you know kind of propped us up and like you know it wasn't easy but like it was work but like what a glorious experience so I never want to go back to it on this program I'd rather celebrate all the other artists that were well equally as good or better than us you know so well we had to do it it was the 50th episode and yeah you know, it's hard for me to take like in a lot of okay. ways i don't like to celebrate myself or this isn't about you this is celebrating the music man yeah well i appreciate that but like you know the malk's great scott's contribution is amazing like eyeballed what a team player like you know gary west even you know, it's amazing to me, like, mind-blowing, like, uh, just mind-blowing experience. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's play one, let's bring us out, uh, you pick a song, okay, uh, either one of the two songs from Watery Domestic that we haven't played yet, so Linden, Feed Him to the Lions, Linden, or Shoot the Singer, or, or, or a song from Slanted and Enchanted, you, you pick. Oh, I, I go into the last album. Yeah, I got. I'd, I'd actually go. Yeah. To Terror Twilight. You, you're gonna go Terror. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Speaks to you. Remember. All right. Speaks to you. Remember. It's from for my best friend John MacArthur. Uh, all right. I'll uh, I'll load it up uh, and we'll um, we'll take us out. Uh, speaks to you. Remember. Speaks to you. Remember. Yeah. Here we go. Pavement. Thank you, Bob. It's been fun. Just to 
Yeah. 